Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast presented by Ingles, the official supermarket of Gramlick and McLean. Mac, it's officially February or February, <laughs> if you want to say it like it is pronounced, as Mac and I were just doing for some reason off air, or as it's spelled, I should say. Happy February, which means we're getting oh. closer to the NFL draft, which means we're getting closer to summer, which means we're getting closer to college football season. There you go. We're back. We are so back, people. Let's go. Um, yeah, KG, happy February. Uh, it's exciting. It's crazy how fast these are flying by. It is. And I, I'm surprised you came back from Mexico. I thought you were just going to say, adios amigo, I have moved to Mexico. That's, I thought I was going to get that text from you. Could, could you, as a Texan, could you, uh, are, are you pretty good in Spanish? Like, could you read my, my first text yes. y'all full paragraph, all Spanish right to her. And she you responded right me, away. It was great. You sent me text in Spanish. And I was like, I think I know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> you answered it perfectly, so yeah. you did. Uh, Mexico was amazing, by the way. Uh, big shout out to to John Truesdale and Andrea uh, for for them getting married and for us to be a part of it. It was super sweet. Um, and I'd never been to Mexico before, so we, we went to Monterey. I know a lot of people, you know, want to go to the beaches. Uh, I went to the mountains, which is great. I'm a mountain guy, anyway. Um, and it was super fun. Food was amazing. Mm. Uh, you know, just being able to be there for for a week and, and see everybody uh, was super special. So I'm grateful for him. Uh, I'm also grateful for our guest today and excited to get him going uh, to talk all things North Carolina. And and the reason these are so fun for me, KG, is because we get to continue to dive in, you know, with these people that cover them each and every day, right? Because when when you see that uh, and and you see the different things that they do, it's not, I guess there's a little bit of bias to it, you know, at the end of the day, but they cover it and they know it so much better than us. And so I think you're going to hear from Greg Barnes, by the way. I, I forgot mm-hmm. to say his name earlier. I'm so sorry. You're going to hear from Greg Barnes. And just the, the I think it's the intimate level, you know, of, of yeah. covering that program. They just know it so well. So Greg knocks it out of the park. Absolutely love this conversation. Uh, you will too. Real quick, a, a message from our friends over at Ingles, and then we'll get to Greg in this conversation about the heels. Did you know Ingles only sells USDA choice and prime cuts of meat? Maybe it's time to reward yourself. Our butchers cut all our meat fresh in the store every day. Grass-fed, organic, you name it. Not only that, we'll even cut it to order just the way you like it. And we grind meat fresh in the store multiple times a day. It's all in the bag. That's the best meat in town for the best folks in town. Ingles. Low prices. Love the savings. All right, guys, we are on to North Carolina. We've got Greg Barnes here with us today. Greg, thank you so much for your time. Uh, very grateful for you, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're excited, too, and especially to get your perspective uh, and to, to kind of hear hear about the Tar Heels and really just you know what happened and what might happen in the future. I think that's what's so fun about these is truly we, we're all over the place and, and forward thinking a little bit. But let's start in 23 and, and, and just look at you know kind of big picture your thoughts on what the Tar Heels were able to accomplish in 2023. Well, there's a lot of expectations for, for North Carolina coming into the season, of course, with Drake May coming back for what everybody knew would be his final season. Uh, and North Carolina started out gangbusters and, and looked really good and looked like a team that could 
compete for the you know, a spot in the ACC championship game. Uh, they actually found a running game with Amari Hampton, Gene Chizik's defense, especially in the season opener against South Carolina, looked like a completely different unit. Um, I think nine sacks. Yeah, and we get halfway through the season. And then that trend that we have seen at North Carolina the last three years kind of kicks in where they just kind of just sputter and really struggle down the the stretch. They lost four of the last five. And I think a lot of fans, I mean, kind of to illustrate that point, if you go back to 2021, North Carolina lost four of their last five against FBS opponents. 2022, they lost their last four to FBS opponents. Then again, in 2023, lost four of their last five to FBS opponents. So this kind of late season slump has become a thing. And we saw that again this year. And and unfortunately, the fan base, having seen so much potential early in the year, uh, was kind of really feeling bad about how things finished up. Yeah, and and that's super interesting that you mentioned that because it's confusing to me because this is not a Syracuse. This is not a Wake Forest where depth is an issue. And if there's injuries and things like that happen, and then you just you don't have anybody. I mean, there's stars all throughout this team. So what do you attribute, you know, that those last couple of years, handful of years, you know, just fading and not being able to, to really finish? What do you attribute that to? I think there's a couple of things. Number one is Mac Brown pointed this out, you know, early last year, the schedule didn't really do him any favors. You got off to a good start, but you also had some tough games late. I mean, you had Duke, you had Clemson, you had NC State, all back to back to back, and that's tough. So scheduling didn't help. But I think more than anything, when you start looking um, at the depth aspect of it, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's a lot of bodies there. You know, they, they've recruited well. They've done well in the portal. Yet a lot of those guys just didn't play. Um, and Eric, I know you know, but the offensive line, we didn't see a lot of new pieces come in and out. So there's not a lot of depth that's been uh, created for next year. And then defensively, when you start looking at the players in the ACC who played the most snaps, there's a lot of Tar Heels on that list. Cedric Gray and Power Eccles and Marcus Allen at cornerback. Kamon Rucker played a lot of snaps. And Mac Brown even mentioned kind of late in the year, that maybe those guys are, are, are playing a little bit too much. And they're not getting the rest they need. And then you get into the offseason, Jeff Collins is hired. And one of the things Mac has talked about lately is, all right, we, we need to look at some of this depth stuff in terms of getting more players involved so that we don't wear down not only late in games, but late in the season, you know, as what appears to have happened the last couple of years. That's a great uh, description and maybe explanation for what's been going on, Greg. It's really good stuff. And I, it brings me to my Gene Chizik question here because we heard so much talk from Mac Brown about Gene Chizik and, and he has it, right? And he, I mean, he, look, Gene Chizik has had a lot of success. Don't get me wrong. But going into TV and coming back, Mac Brown also said something to the effect of, I don't know if he understood really how much college football had changed. So, what went wrong with that hire, if you will? And if you could look forward a little bit, and then we'll get back to this season in itself, but how is Jeff Collins going to fix some of that stuff? And, and what do you make of that hire? Well, Gene Chizik really became known as the great defensive coordinator 20, 25 years ago. Um, and it kind of meshed with what Butch Davis wanted to do when he, when he was in Chapel Hill back starting in 07. And those guys were really born out of the whole 
uh, cover two, Tampa two approach. And what that said at the time was, look, we're going to play a lot of zone on the back end. We're going to get after you on the defensive line. And we're going to make offenses slowly work their way down the field. And if you do that at the college level, what's going to happen is they're going to make a mistake. And Gene Chizik had a ton of success with that. It worked very well at Texas. However, the offense changed. And all of a sudden it became about, uh, you know, we're not doing as many concepts, but we're doing it rapid fire. And we're going to perfect a lot of these plays that we run. Larry Fedora did that at Carolina. That's what Phil Longo does. Chip Lindsey's doing some of it too. And so if you're going to give them five yards on the edge, they're going to take it and they're going to run with it. And we saw that really last year. I mean, last year was one of the worst years defensively that Carolina's had in a long time. Uh, but even so, a little bit of that this year. And I don't think you can play that style anymore. And so I think that's part of where the, the issue kind of with Gene came from is that he was born and had success in a previous generation. Jeff Collins is a little bit different. Uh, we get more to him later, but he had a ton of success not that long ago uh, in the SEC. And he's more of an attacking style. He's very much of the mindset that, look, if we don't create negative plays, these guys are just going to march down the field. So he wants to get tackles for loss. He wants to get sacks. He wants to create some turnovers. And if you give up some explosive plays, so be it. But if you can create those negative plays, that's how you really help your offense. Right. Yeah, here, here's the deal. They're not just handing out Minister of Mayhem. Okay? <laughs> you know, they're not just giving that one away. We'll talk more about Coach Collins here in a bit because I, I do want to jump into that. I, I think he's fantastic coach. I'm jacked up about the hire. Very excited. Uh, number one, that he's back in the ACC, but back in college football in general. Looking at this season, you, you're absolutely right. Kind of, again, the, the way it started on fire, and we're like, here we go. Okay, Drake May, the boys are rolling. We got Tez back. Everybody's feeling good. He, he's ready to go. And, and then it's, you know, Virginia just punches you in the mouth kind of out of nowhere. W was there anything that you saw? Because that obviously led to this slew of, of games here. Was there anything going into that game where you're just like, this feels weird? Because it was at home. It wasn't like it was at Virginia. It wasn't like there was anything, you know, to me uh, as an outsider, strange. But is there anything you saw where you're just like, this feels weird, this feels uncomfortable, maybe leading into Saturday? Not necessarily. I think the only thing is when you look at the schedule, I guess at that point in time they were, were 6-0. Yeah. And knowing what we knew at the time, Virginia was really struggling. And then you look ahead and, yeah, Carolina's had issues in Atlanta. But Georgia Tech at that point in time really hadn't kind of found themselves offensively. And then you got Campbell. So all of a sudden you're saying, if they just do what they're supposed to do. Look out. Look at yeah. 9-0, right? Uh, I'm sure we said you know, that, Mac. Mac said a <laughs> right. I'm sure we did. I'm sure we did. Uh, and Mac talked about a couple years ago how they get in these positions where there's a lot of expectation on them, and they've got to figure out how to, to deal better with those situations. And I think that was a good part of it. They kind of struggled early on in that game against Virginia and just never really kind of found their footing. Um, and then the offense the next week had some success against Georgia Tech. The defense kind of fell apart. And it just kind of spiraled out of control at that point in time. Um, so, yeah, it was a very strange dynamic, especially when you consider Virginia had some success early in that game offensively, where they've been, you know, they, they were just not a good offensive team last year. And that really kind of set the tone for, wait a minute, this great defense we thought Gene Chizik was kind of putting together, uh, maybe that's not the case. And it just kind of fell apart at that point in time. It was such a 
this is college football game, right? It Those types of games where there's no reason Virginia should win this game. There's absolutely no reason. And they do. And that's why we love this sport because it's it's just crazy. The crazy things happen. We've talked about Drake May and and what he was able to do. I know he's on to the NFL and we'll you know we'll see where he goes. Possibly number one. I thought Omarion Hampton was not the bigger story than Drake May because that's that's not right. But he was electric to watch and really exciting to watch throughout this year. Seeing him in person in the Clemson game, he, I mean, he, I know we had a few turnovers and that was probably a huge bugaboo for North so Carolina. Good. But he was so, so good. good. He he got whatever he wanted in that game against a very good defense. Did you expect this from Omarion Hampton this year? No, certainly not. Yeah, if you go back to last year, they were really trying to find somebody to step up at running back. And they had some injuries, and Hampton got a lot of playing time. You can kind of see the potential there. I don't think anybody expected to see what we saw this year. And give Chip Lindsey credit. Chip Lindsey comes in. He's got a lot of that Gus Malzahn pedigree um, where they're really going to do some unique things running the ball. And they really kind of capitalize on that because if North Carolina struggled at the end of last year, a lot of the thought was, well, it's because Drake Mays not only having to throw the ball, he's yeah. their leading rusher. And, and you can't do that to Drake May and expect to be, you know, expect to compete against the Clemson and the ACC championship game. And so for Amarian to come out in game one and just kind of play with a toughness that Carolina's really lacked since you know the 2020 year with Javante Williams and Michael Carter, um, that really kind of changed the mindset of that offense. It took a lot of pressure off Drake. You know, the, the funny conversation early in the year was, wait a minute, Armarian's having all this success. Well, Drake's not as good, and maybe he's not in the Heisman race anymore. Uh, it's like, well, you would rather have a balanced approach, and Carolina did that. And you know, like you said, I, I hate, hate it for Armarian with the Clemson game. Because he really was dynamic in that game. And that's the game Carolina probably should have won. But a couple fumbles right at the goal line, which is not like him, completely turned the tide of that game. Yeah, man, he he's uh, he's such a monster. I mean, I, I've got his stats pulled up right here. 230 yards against App State, 200 against Miami, uh, 140 against Campbell, then follows it up with 170, 178. I mean, just absolute monster. And the way he runs, he's a complete back. I think if you maybe you know take up his receiving a little bit more, I mean this dude surefire top three rounds. I think when his time comes, and it was fun to watch, it was fun to watch him be used that way. I do want to circle back to Drake May because this guy, he he's the total package. And, and you know we've had this debate, you know seemingly all year about who should be number one. And you know to me he has everything that you want for the face of your NFL franchise, every single aspect. So Greg, to you as a guy that was probably relatively intimate with him and, and being able to be as close as you were with the program. What has he meant to North Carolina? And what exactly is, you know, the NFL franchise, the fan base, the city, whatever, the community uh, that takes him, what are they getting out of Drake May? Well, you know, Drake, his family is such, has such ties to North Carolina. Um, you know, his, uh, covered his brother uh, back when Carolina won the championship in 2017. Um, I, you know, I've, I've spoken with his father you know, who played quarterback at Carolina back 40 years ago now. Uh, so it's really a, a Carolina family. And I think that's important. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, remember, he was committed to Alabama, Nick Saban. Right. And then right. Mac Brown's able to convince him to, to come and play at his, his, you know, dad's alma mater and in-state. And that was a big part of it, too, being a kid from Charlotte. 
Um, so all those things really worked in his favor. And Drake is just kind of a, a, a laid back, easygoing kid who just has a passion for the game. And uh, he's, he's a great ambassador. And when you, when you put all those things kind of off the field uh, with what he can do on the field, it's just, it's just incredible. And he has all the throws. Um, that was one of the things Phil Longo talked about. He's like, typically, you, know, you got to work with some of these guys on these different throws that they have to make. He said Drake came in being able to make all of them. So we just really had to polish him up a little bit. And there wasn't that much development that needed to take place. He had some footwork stuff he had to take care of. But for the most part, I mean, you kind of see it, you know, if you look at some of the, the PFF grades, I mean, I think he had over 70, what they term as big time throws, which is just ridiculous for, for a college quarterback to, to be that good. Um, and that's one of the things about college is tough, right? Is uh, he, he spent three years in Carolina, one year he redshirted. And it's like, we're just getting ready you know, to learn more about the kid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's going to be at the NFL level. Yeah. And, and you know, it's so funny. I remember the quarterback competition and, and we were there, we were there early for Carolina that year when, when there was a quote unquote competition. And uh, I remember leaving that practice, talking to coach, I said, you have zero competition. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but Hey, do whatever you want. What do I know? What do I know? But ultimately, you know, I, I think they kind of knew in the back of their minds, KG. <laughs> yeah. Mac was, Mac was calling the Mac was calling that for Mac, if you will. And that was pretty obvious overall, Greg, this season to finish eight and five, to lose to NC State, and then to lose the Dukes Mayo Bowl, with how you started and had some great moments, of course, South Carolina win, things like that, Miami win. How would you rate if you if you had to this season? Was it a success? Was it just kind of middle of the ground? Was it a failure? How would you rate it? It's a great question. Um, and I I think the fan base would give you some some different answers on this, depending on who you ask, which I, I think is probably never a good thing. Yeah. Um <laughs> But the fact that Carolina won nine games the year prior and they got to the ACC championship game um, and did not replicate that success this year, I think fans, for the most part, would probably see it as a step back, especially given you know, Drake May and the, the arrival of Amar and Hampton. Um, I would say it's really just kind of more, I don't want to say status quo, but it kind of keeps you on that, that same trajectory. Um, this is you building programs at the college level takes time and it's not a it's not an easy endeavor it's not always up so it's not always on a on a linear uh, chart and yes you have guys like Davo Sweeney comes along and from pretty much day one he's winning 10 games a year and, and winning ACC championships uh, Davo's a unique guy and he's rare for a reason uh, and so I think the fact that this is year five under Mac um, it was not the year they wanted for sure but there's a lot of pieces coming back, and Amari Hampton is going to be the star of the show next year. I think they did a pretty good job in the portal. And so uh, they learned a lot this year. It wasn't the successful year they wanted. I don't think it's necessarily a bad year. Uh, they need to build upon it, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no question answer. about it. And, again, how, yeah, how good of a coach, you know, Mac Brown is, arguably one of the best ever, um, you know, one of the only three active coaches with a national championship uh, is baffling to, Two to think in the about ACC, how Eric McLean. Yeah, that's that's what we do. That's what we do in the ACC. Okay, uh, but Greg, let, let's let's kind of flip the page. Let, let's look forward. You know, at this twenty four, we have a schedule finally to talk about. Uh, this is our first episode. We actually know what the schedules are when we're recording and, and looking at that. But I kind of do want to start in that transfer portal 
uh, you know, Greg, and, and some of the names, when I look at Max Johnson, you know, quarterback, a guy who, you know, obviously uh, kind of strangely enough, I've had a close eye on because of Coach Mark Rick, you know, throughout his entire, you know, career there. His brother Jake, I think, is going to be an instant impact guy, especially, you know, how Carolina uses their tight ends. I, I think he's going to be a very, you know, nice piece there. And then you look at some other, some offensive linemen, uh, you know, some wide receivers and, and maybe more to come. You know, we we have that other window coming up. Of those pieces, known, unknown right now, is there a guy missing? Is there someone else you think, hey, you know, we need this position. We need it bad. Got to go fill that. And who do you feel the best about that maybe can make an instant impact and, and just be ready to go? Well, I'll answer the last one first. And um, I guess Carolina needs to send NC State a, a thank you card because Jaquina Harris <laughs> um, is is had a lot of success in NC State. I know he didn't play a whole lot this past year. Uh, but North Carolina has, has struggled a little bit at safety the last several years. And I think he's a guy that can step in and, and give them immediate playing time, give them a lot of um, experience back there. And I think that's key. And then you mentioned you know, Max Johnson. Uh, North Carolina needed to find somebody that could step in and allow Connor Harrell to continue to grow. I think if you watch the, the Campbell game, if you watch the, the bowl game, uh, there's a lot of potential there with Connor. He's a super fast kid. He's a quick learner, but he's raw. And so we knew you know, last offseason that the plan was for North Carolina to go into the portal and find a quarterback to give him another year of bridge to get ready to take over maybe in, in 2025. And I think Max Johnson, given his his dad's ties, given their ties to you know, North Carolina, especially in the mountains, um, I think that's a good piece. And he he's played a lot of ball games in the SEC, both for LSU and, and Texas A&M. Uh, he's not as flashy, of course, as Sam Howe or, or Drake May. But I think that's okay. I mean, I think he's going to be a solid leader for him. I really think this is an opportunity for North Carolina um, to maybe move past the idea that, hey, it's completely dependent on Howe or May. Yeah. Like, this has got to be a team deal. And I think with Hampton and some of these other pieces they have, they can do that. Um, and then you, what North Carolina really needs more than anything is offensive line. And they got a few guys. Um, some may say they're a little bit of a reach, but that's going to be important because they needed bodies. I mean, they're losing four starters off the offensive line. Um, and you also mentioned Max's brother. I mean, North Carolina, their tight ends have been, they've been stopped at that position for years. And now you're bringing in a kid who was a five-star from Texas A&M. So they're going to continue to be stocked at that position for the next couple of years. All right, guys. I'm going to say the quiet part out loud here. Oh. This is the easiest schedule in America oh. for 2024. <laughs> for a Power 5 team, obviously. Well, then, you know, maybe not. For a group of five, it's probably harder. This I see two teams that, when you play them, might be ranked. Two teams. And look, I'm not saying this as a shot. This is great. If, if you're a North Carolina fan, you're thinking, yes, this is what we want. Because you have had some tough schedules, especially tough finishes in the past. And now with this schedule, I'm liking it for UNC, Greg. Do you agree with me on that? Does this schedule look – I'll use a better word. Does it look manageable? No, I think you framed it exactly right, <laughs> AG. I, I don't have any uh, qualms with how you laid that out. Um, yeah, I mean, going to Minnesota, uh, the fact that they just pretty much disbanded their entire quarterback room after the season, I think is fantastic. Um, we'll have to see. Yeah, they brought a kid in from, from New Hampshire who had a lot of success. 
at the FCS level, but for him to play you know, against Carolina in his FBS opener, I think it's probably asking a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yes, yeah, Charlotte, North Carolina Central. JMU uh, had a lot of teams, a lot of players leave, including their head coach. True. But they've got some good pieces in. Uh, so that's maybe not as easy as agreed, some may agreed. initially think. Uh, you know, I like Manny at Duke. It would be curious yeah. to see exactly how quickly he gets them to come together. Um, Pitt's kind of been a mess the last year or so. About, I think Georgia Tech has potential to be good. So I think the start there is is kind of like this past year for Carolina, mm-hmm. where you can kind of get on a roll and maybe have some early success and jump out to five and one, maybe even six and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. But I do think after that you start talking about some tougher games. I mean, going to Virginia, I know Virginia is not expected to be very good. Carolina always struggles up there. Uh, FSU kind of speaks for itself. I think Wake will be better. And the quarterback was an issue for him last year. And I know the portal's not the the best thing that's ever happened to Dave Clawson and how he likes to approach things. But I do think going up to BC is a little bit of a challenge. And then, of course, NC State to close. So I, I agree with you. I think this is when you look at it, you're thinking, okay, I mean, like eight wins for sure, right? Yeah. Um, but again, we'll have to wait and see. We, North Carolina's got to figure out a way to get over the hump once they get to the midway point of the year. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's no doubt about that. And I think, you know, the ways that you kind of brought that up, and, and let's talk about Coach Collins again right here before maybe we get to overall expectations and, and what you kind of think. I, I think that's vital. And, you know, it, it, interestingly enough, you know, that, that's my background. That's what we did at Clemson. We rotate guys. You know, even starters, uh, you know, in, in different positions where they're not – it's not like they're tired, but – hey, we've got to keep developing for the future. We have to keep developing because you never know what's going to happen. And to me, that's exciting to hear that. Uh, number one, if, if you're a young player, because you're like, okay, I'm going to get some time here. You know, I'm going to get an opportunity. I, can, I need to work that much harder. Uh, but also number two, for that fan base, for that staff to say, okay, that's great because we need our guys to, to continue to, to grow and continue to develop and, and be ready here. Schematically, I think it's a fantastic fit. Initial thoughts when you heard the hire, when you saw the hire, you know, what, what were you thinking in, in that space when that happened? Yeah, I went through a lot of different thoughts, to be honest with you. The first is, okay, he hasn't been a defensive coordinator specifically for a number of years. Mm. Um, and we know that Gene Chizik was out of the game for a while, and it took him a while to catch up. But Jeff has been in the game, and he does understand it much more so than maybe what Gene did because he saw it every day. And if you look at what he did at you know, Florida and Mississippi State, I mean, those weren't just good defenses. Those were incredible defenses. And Mac has talked for a number of years, hey, we've got to improve pass rush. We have to be more aggressive. And, you know, that's not really what Gene Chizik did. That's not really what he's ever done. So I always thought that was kind of a strange fit. I agree. I think Jeff comes in and he does exactly that. And I think there's a lot of potential because there is so much experience on this defense. There are some good pieces that they can get better very quickly. And let's remember, in North Carolina, if they're top 50, that's a significant jump from where they've been. Right. Right. Um, We're not saying number one. (laughs) We're just saying let's get to the middle. Let's get to the middle, baby. That's That's what we need. And I think he can do that very quickly. And I think the fact that there's not a lot of explosive offenses early in the season, that helps as well as you kind of get acclimated. Um, so, yeah, I was a, I had a little bit of concern early, but the more I've thought about it and the fact that he was a head coach 
I think it's it's pretty close to a home run hire for Mac. And I think from a recruiting perspective, it fits too. Fits, sure. you know, Mac Brown. I saw some tweet the other day talking about Mac Brown, perhaps the greatest recruiter of all time. I think that's possible when you look at his Texas yeah. days, of course. Um, okay, let's talk expectations, as Mac said. Let's talk ceiling and floor. We said, you know, you could uh, just stumble into eight wins with this schedule. Again, we'll see. But what's your ceiling for the for this Carolina team in 2024, and, and what's your floor? By the way, see, we're I'll practicing say, this. It's the end of January, so everyone, you know. Right, right, right. Greg has the right to change um, his opinion if he wants to. I think Max Johnson kind of gives you a solid baseline with his experience. So I would say that the ceiling for this team is probably 10 wins. Um, I don't think this is a team that's really going to be able to challenge for the college football playoff, even though it's expanded, of course, to 12 teams. Um, I think it is a team that has the potential to challenge for the uh, ACC championship game if everything comes together. On a floor perspective, maybe six wins, because I think if they stumble early, if you lose the game at Minnesota, now you're talking, okay, there's a lot of obstacles along the, the road here. Um, so I think that's probably where they are in between six and 10 and just the you know, initial look, I, I would probably say, I agree with you. I think there, there are two games on here that they're probably going to be underdogs in, at least coming into the season and that's Florida state and, and NC state. But I think there's a couple others that they could lose. And I, I think eight and four is, is probably where I would peg this team right now. Greg, do you think it helps a little bit that there may be uh, less expectations going into the year? I feel like there's been such high expectations for Carolina the past couple of years. Drake May, of course, with this year and then the second Sam Howley year. Does that help at all, do you think? I think so. Um, the, the fact that they had such high expectations coming into 2021, you know, their preseason top 10. And as we talked about earlier, this past year, jump out to 6-0 and and everybody's saying the schedule sets up really nice and they couldn't handle it. So I think for whatever reason, Max had success with his guys to say, hey, nobody's giving us any respect. Let's get in there and grind. And that's been much easier than the other side of it being like, okay, everybody's got the spotlight on you. What are you going to do? Um, and I think that's just part of the program building. But as I mentioned too, without having a Sam Howe or a Drake May, the team and the program can't just rely on the quarterback position. Yes. It's got to be a team effort, truly. And I think that creates a good opportunity for, for Mac Brown to really prove to the fan base that, look, we may have depended on quarterbacks in recent years, but this is going to be a unique situation where everybody has to serve in a complimentary role. And I, I think the fan base can really rally around that. I totally agree with you, man. And I think when you look at, you know, as we're closing up here, second year with your offensive coordinator, who I love the game plan. I think you have an absolute superstar in Amari and Hampton that you can expound upon and some more guys in that backfield that I think will be great and complimentary. Takes the pressure off a veteran, experienced, uh, new to Carolina, but a veteran guy. And again, the pieces that he has around him. And then when I look at the Coach Collins thing, a guy that has had time to sit and get perspective, right? And has had time to sit and talk and to go. And, and I've heard a couple of interviews. He was a consultant for different guys. And, all these different things where he just sat and learned. You know, he got a PhD. He's probably already had one. He got another one, uh, you know, and, and what to do. I, I have some excitement. I always get excited about Carolina football. I love it. Uh, it even tricks me at times. But I do think that this, kind of like you said, I think there's room for that ceiling to be at 10 wins, especially with the schedule, especially how I think things are going to tune up to be. So, Greg, I'm excited, man, if you can't tell. Uh, thank you for joining us, man. And this was awesome. Really appreciate your time. 
Thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed it as well. Thanks again to Greg Barnes from Inside Carolina for joining us on today's episode. His insight was so good, Mac, when he was talking about the defensive coordinator situation, Gene Chizik, what maybe didn't go right there, why Mac Brown felt he needed to fire Gene Chizik and then go on to Jeff Collins and how he feels about that hire. I just love that insight. That was really good and gave us some new information on how that might go. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. Big shout out again, Greg. Thank you for your time. And I, I think the... The most excited piece of this entire puzzle that I am really was the the conversation about depth and, mm-hmm. and bringing it up and being aware and saying we got to do this, we have to fix this. This is an issue that you know we we have to make work. And uh, you know I, I think that's something that understanding that knowing that is a big deal. So I, I'm excited to see that. Excited to see Coach Collins in this defense uh, again. The minister of mayhem. Expect a lot of blitzes, expect a lot of tricks and and stunts and things of that nature to really just kind of conjure up some more stuff, KG. But also excited what that offense is going to look like. Kind of not downplaying what I think that, you know, the Johnson boy can do. All right, I know he can sling that football. But not to have a a bona fide superstar. Not to have a guy that, you know, people are deeming, you know, the greatest ever at that time. You know, it was Sam Howell. And then right behind him, Mm -hmm. here comes Drake May. Uh, so it, it does, kind of like Greg was saying, it has to be the team. Everybody has to come together to do their part, do their role, and make it happen. Here's what I'm excited about. A, I think having less expectations is good because yes. you've had so much hype recently with Drake Maine somehow. And then B, that schedule. Matt, <laughs> I think most college football fans, maybe just Alabama fans because they poison things and like kill each other over games. <laughs> I think most college football fans would kill for that schedule. That's where I was going. Right. Kill for that schedule. Yeah. Tell me what I I got to do to get that schedule. Yeah. And here's the fun part. We have not seen each other or talked since the schedules have come out. So on the horizon, we're going to do a schedule show. I don't know when, but we're going to talk about that. I was in Mexico. I didn't even know the schedule. I'm just kidding. I knew they came out. I was locked in. I was locked in. (laughs) Um, But I am excited. And you're right. Very favorable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think starting fast early is the key to success. Like we got to get going, get all the, the, you know, the, the things out, get our car and our machine rolling at full speed really early. And uh, you feel good about it, but I feel good about this episode, KG. And I think this is a good time to stop. Uh, so again, big <laughs> shout out to Greg. Appreciate him uh, for, for joining us and talking all things heels. Uh, these have been so much fun. We've got more coming at you uh, obviously for the next couple of weeks. And of course, Wednesday, we're actually going to do a little, a little differently because we didn't want to stretch it out too long. We're going to do a combined episode a duo. on Wednesday. A duo, if you will. Boston College, Syracuse, meeting in the middle. Cannot wait to talk about it. We're going to make it happen. Appreciate you guys joining us. We need your help. Go over to YouTube. Subscribe. Jump on this channel. Leave some comments. We always appreciate you guys' support. And, of course, the OGs over on Apple Podcasts as well. Rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.